Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Those are great resolutions. But have you know that you got to write your own resolutions? You can, you can take from others, but you need to write your own resolutions. So I want to talk to you today about when writing resolutions. So I think it led right into exactly what the Lord had. Uh, and I think it goes along with what Dad was saying. He knew he was supposed to speak to the young lady this time. He got part of it, missed the other part. It's okay. You still step out. Amen. I, I, I stepped out, and we got something really good from Mark that God had laid on his heart. I missed the part about the financial uh, part of it. I thought that's where, where we were headed with that. But but God knew exactly what he needed. And so if we just trust the Lord, it's just an example of just trust the Lord. It may not make sense. They may ask you to pray a really weird prayer in front of a friend that uh, you're just not sure about, right? And so, but if we trust the Lord. So I want to talk to you today about when writing resolutions. I got to thinking about New Year's resolutions. And over the years, mine have kind of gone away. I don't really write new ones anymore because like many of you, I'm sure they're good for a month, a week, a day, maybe an hour, but you have good intentions, but we seldom carry through with them. So I was kind of looking to see what some other people's resolutions were, and I thought, maybe you want to use some of these. That's fine. But one of them was order every drink from the Starbucks menu. That, that wouldn't work for me. I, I don't really care much for Starbucks or, or coffee that much to begin with, but my mama might enjoy that. I don't know. Uh, perfect your charcuterie board skills. I didn't even know that term until earlier this this past year, but charcuterie is a fancy term for an adult snack tray, all right? That's all it is. It's just a bunch of but snacks there, and uh, you want to know how to do that stuff. I'll tell you one example would be Leanne Miller. She uh, she can absolutely put together a charcuterie board. I think a better goal for me would be to learn how to spell charcuterie. But All right, here we go with another one. Learn something you never learned as a child. One more, develop a better relationship with your body. So these are good goals and, and nothing wrong with those. But I think just like in life, we keep preaching that we need to trust the Lord. We need to do the same thing when writing our resolutions. There are a lot of things that we can write down that have good intentions, that make sense, that are things that, that we can all agree that we probably should do. But if we don't do them the way the Lord wants us to do them, if we don't do what the Lord wants us to do, then we're, we're laboring in vain, even on our resolutions. Do you know what resolution means? A resolution is simply the act of analyzing a complex notion and putting it into a simpler one. You're taking something very complicated. I talked about uh, understanding your body better, so maybe maybe for me, you know, one of the things that I could look at doing is learning how to eat more nutritiously. Now, there's a lot more to it. Maybe I, I just simplify it to I'm just going to start with a day and then I'm going to build from that. But it's taking something complex because your body is very complex. Do you know that? The, the things that we're made up of, matter of fact, your body is, is, it should be living proof that there is a God. There's just no way that we were just thrown together and we lucked into these bodies, every one of us, and the things that these bodies do. But the body can be very complicated. So a, a resolution takes something that's very complicated and it breaks it down and makes it simpler. You know, we, we talk about short term versus long term. I don't know about you guys, but as I was, uh, getting out of business school and the thing they were teaching us was you got to have short-term and long-term goals. You had to have, uh, you know, what's your five-year plan? What's your one-year plan? What's your one-month plan? Short-term versus long-term goals. These are all good. 
You know, synonyms for resolution include a call, a decision, a determination. Those are things we're going to be doing. We're going to be making that call. We're going to be making a decision. We're going to be making some determinations this coming year. We should all set resolutions. But I'm going to give you three steps, and I think if you will apply these three steps, they will help you in writing your resolutions. And may I say the resolutions that God has for you. Step one. Step one. It's real simple. You ready? Let God lead. Let God lead. What Mark read was fantastic. That may or may not be what God's got for your life. Let God lead. Psalms 127, I alluded to it just a minute ago, verses 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is futile for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of painful labor. This is how he gives to his beloved sheep. You see... People have good intentions. I don't know if you know this, but we have a ton of nutrition experts, even in this church. You don't know that maybe. I don't know. They tell me stuff all the time. And they followed me my whole life. I had friends at school. I would, I made a change from drinking sodas to drinking water, but I couldn't drink just the water. It was just, I, I just don't like the taste of just plain water. So I used those um, drops. That's good. No, I get that one nutrition expert who teaches science at the school to tell me even that's not good for me. And I told him, yeah, but the 12 Cokes a day I was drinking was a whole lot worse. You know, you just, you got all these nutrition experts. What he's telling me is not wrong. It would be great if I would eat completely clean, whatever that means. But I got to do what the Lord's asking me to do. You see, we're going to go into a wilderness walk again on January the 9th. And I'm going to ask you to Pray about what you're going to fast. It's a choose-your-own-fast adventure. Actually, it's choose what the Lord puts on you for a fast adventure, right? Fasting is good. It brings discipline. But if you just fast just because it's something that's good, you're not going to be able to sustain that or maintain that. I talked to a friend who was telling me he's up to, I don't know, he's doing the, the intermittent fasting and I think he started out, he said, with one meal every week, and then he, he kept working himself up. Now he's doing it like every four or five days. And I said, I, you enjoying it? He said, nope. <laughs> How many of you know there's going to come a time he's going to be done with that intermittent fasting? Right? I've had times where the Lord called me to a fast. We had a men's breakfast, and I was like, Lord, are you sure? I need some confirmation. I threw out the fleece, and it rained on half and not on the ground. I said, Lord, I'm still not sure. If you're calling me to a fast, so I threw the fleece out again. The, you know, the Lord confirmed. But you know what I found out? I went that Saturday. didn't tell anybody that's what I was doing. And I fasted. And the bacon smelled phenomenal. And, and the, the sounds that were coming out of the men of just enjoyment was just amazing. And do you know that I didn't crave one bite of food that day? I'm serious. It didn't bother me. I enjoyed the ministry time. I enjoyed the, the fellowship. I enjoyed worshiping the Lord, and we had some amazing time with the Lord. Now, I've tried to fast other times where we had an event, and it didn't go so well. I made it through the first 10 minutes, and then I was out. Why? Because I tried to fast on my own. Because fasting's good, right? We should fast. But it's better to do it when led by the Lord. It's better to do things when led by the Lord. That's when you will have success. That's when things happen that you don't understand. When peace that passes all understanding occurs. When we do things the Lord's way. 
It may be great to witness to every single person, but we don't actually know what God's doing in each person's life. And so God will use us as instruments. So he may not ask you to minister. He didn't give dad a word for that waitress for a long time. Would have been good for her to have a word, wouldn't it? Shouldn't he have just made something up that goes along with the Bible? I mean, that's encouraging. That's good. But you labor in vain. Why? Because God's working on other people as well. So when you're writing resolutions, you want to let God lead because he knows the ultimate plan. We see a part of his plan. He sees the whole thing. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's the plans the Lord has for you. Let him lead. Let him help you write the resolutions. First Peter 2, 5 says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We sang Build My Life this morning. So good. Let the Lord lead. Let him build you into what he wants you to be. Let the Lord lead. Step two. That word you gave, Gary, I'm telling you, the Lord is so amazing. What did you say you felt like the Lord was saying this year was? The year of identity? Step two, know your identity. Know your identity. You are the people, not just a people. You are the people. First Peter 2, verses 9 and 10 tells us, but you are a chosen people. How many of you like to be chosen? What if it's for chores? See, the youth were smart. I saw the eyes. They didn't raise the hand. They said, depends, didn't you? Depends. What are you choosing me for? Because a lot of times the youth, you're chosen for all of the work. You know, I never had anybody want to borrow just my truck when I had a truck. They wanted to borrow me with the truck. I didn't like being chosen during those times right there. But, but God says that we are chosen. Let me start over. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me back up here where it says, for you once were not a people. What did Tim tell you that God was telling us? That he was going to join us together. He was going to unite us. We were going to become the people of God. You think God has a plan? Herman didn't set any of this up this morning. All Pastor Herman did was sit down and do his part. God put this message on my heart. I did my part here, and then I sat up here and I said, okay, God, you move and do. And notice that every word that's come forward has been part of that message, and I didn't know any of you were going to say what you said today. When we let the Lord lead, when we know who we are and we know our identity, then we can be assured that we won't build the house in vain. We'll build it according to the standard of the Lord. Let me break this down just a little bit more. If you're looking for a good commentary i like the preacher's homiletical uh, it's a little dated at one point i think he referred to the 47 states we've got a couple more but there's a lot of good material in there so i do recommend it but let me tell you how he broke it down a chosen people a christian privilege i understand that our society is doing a cancel culture thing and talking about white privilege and all this other kind of stuff but i got news for you i'm a fan of being privileged as a son of God. The crazy thing is anybody in this world can have that very same privilege. So when God says a chosen people, we're talking about Christian privilege. 
chosen in divine sovereignty, and it suggests duty. It's not just to walk around and say, look who I am. There's a mission. A royal priesthood. Again, the preacher's homiletical says that represents Christian dignity. Whenever, God, Wherever God reigns, self or world, there the renewed man reigns as God's vicegerent. I had to look vicegerent up. It says an administrative deputy of a king. So let me read it with that there. Whenever God reigns, self or world, there the renewed man reigns as God's administrative deputy. See, we've been set aside as that royal priesthood. A holy nation, that's Christian quality. Holiness is first an internal quality and then an external manifestation. Let me say that again. Holiness is first an internal quality and then an external manifestation. With the invention of social media, a lot of people have been able to lie about who they really are. But make no mistake about it, time will always catch up. And whatever's truly on the inside of a person's heart will come out. So whatever quality you have inside of you, good or bad, is going to come out. But as children of the Lord, God has, has ordered us, ordained us, commanded us to exchange the world for him. When we get saved, that's the first step. He changes our old heart out for a new heart, right? The old man becomes new. Why? Because we need new parts for our spirit man. And we got to begin to get in his word and understand what he says are our characteristics. When I say know your identity, you have to know your characteristics. And those characteristics come from the Lord. So again, Christian quality, God's own possession. You know, our world doesn't like to be owned and doesn't like to be possessed. But there's only one God. So you use whatever words you want to in there, but I'm happy to be God's. I am blessed to be God's. If he wants to interpret it as a possession, I am happy that I'm his possession and not somebody else's. I'm happy that he owns me. I'm happy that I work for him because, you know, man has done some of that heinous stuff over the years. And they have tried to own other men. I mean, it's, I'm just, it's not good. Man doesn't understand what God means when he says his own possession. He didn't give us charge over other men and women. Reading Genesis, he gave us charge over the animals and the birds and the fowl and the creatures of the sea. Why? We don't understand that. That's why there can only be one owner, one true shepherd, one God. So when you're writing your resolutions, you better believe it helps to understand who that God is. I tell you all the time, you're in the fight whether you admit it or not. Some people are getting punched in the face spiritually and saying, there's no fight, it's nothing but peace here. And the enemy's laughing all the way. You're in a fight. You're in a fight. Know who you are. Know who God made you. Know who owns you. I think the King James Version says a peculiar people. Peculiar people. Not odd but rather having a specific set of characteristics. You know, again, this world, everybody's always trying to fit in, fit in, fit in. And God's saying, hey, man, I didn't make you to be like him or her. I made you to be you. 
And the world needs what I put inside of you just like it needs what I put inside of him and her and her and him. What we're supposed to do is find out what those characteristics are and how to utilize the skill set God gave us. Not try to be like everybody else. It is so funny to me. Funny ha-ha. You know, when I grew up, tattoos were very, very much a rebel thing to do. Like you saw somebody with a tattoo, I, it, you didn't, I didn't even want to approach them. I mean, if it hadn't been for dad and the church, some of these guys that were part of the biker church, I probably would have never approached. They look scary. Tattoos, man, I'll tell you what. But nowadays, it's become so commonplace for everybody to have tattoos, it's no longer scary. What's funny about it to me is... People started getting tattoos to set themselves apart, but now so many people have them that you're all part of the same group. That's what we try to do as we try to fit in with this world. And God's saying, look, 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 look. I made you special. I made you, insert your name here, special. I set you apart. I have a job for you to do. And he can say that to each and every one of us peculiar people. I started out this section by telling you that you are the people, not just a people, the people. See, there are a lot of people groups in our world. There are a lot of tribes. You guys watched sports last night. Amen. We, we know God was with the dogs last night. <laughs> you can strike that out of the sermon. <laughs> but that's just, that's individual groups, right? See, there's one team that always wins, and it's not the dogs. There's one team that always wins, and there's one team that's going to be standing alone in the end, and God's saying you can be a part of that team. You can be a part of the people. The Ohio State thought they invented that. No, 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 no. It's the kingdom of God. It's the team of Jesus. That's the only one that will last. That's the only one that will be standing in the end. So, when you start out writing your resolutions, step one is to let the Lord lead. Step two is to know your identity. What was the other word I think we told uh, a couple of the visions and dreams we're talking about how we didn't feel worthy? Right? When we don't know who we are, we will always feel unworthy. Because the answer to the question is, yeah, you're right, I'm not worthy, but I'm on team Jesus and he's worthy, therefore I'm worthy. I'm worthy because... Of who he made me. And you're not fighting me. You're not coming against me. You're coming against him. First Peter 2.12 says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God on the day of visitation. The biggest thing I picked up out of these verses is, it says, uh, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, not if they slander you, but when they slander you. It's not people that are coming against you. It's the enemy. He's using and manipulating people, and they don't understand what God's doing to them, and so all they need to do is lash out to whatever's making them feel uncomfortable. Well, you're bringing the Holy Spirit to the scene, and it's exposing the lies of the enemy, making them feel uncomfortable. And so they're lashing out. If we're carrying the Holy Spirit with us, we should expect people to slander us. 
That's why our behavior has to be as righteous as possible. It doesn't mean that we're walking around perfect. It doesn't mean that we're going to, we're not going to mess up. And one of the things the church has to stop doing is judging each other. We got to quit thinking the world's not going to act the way it acts. And we got to quit judging every Christian for every action and word they do. God is good enough to do his job. It's not your job or my job. I'm responsible for me and my actions. Now, the Bible does tell us to go to our brothers and sisters in love. But let's be honest. 90% of the time, that's not what we do, right? I think what we do is we go out of fear in our own selves that, oh, if I don't say something, God's going to be mad at me. That's not love. That's not love. So if we will simply become passionate pursuers of God, then we will learn how to walk that righteous life. We will learn how to walk in holiness as God instructed and as God taught and as God leads. But again, make no mistake, when you go out into the world, they're going to come against you. They're going to slander you. So expect that. That's why it's so important important that you know who you are. Step three. I'm sorry. Let me back up real quick. I was talking to you about character. Character is what we do when we think no one is looking. That's the kind of behavior we need to have. What do you do when nobody's looking? Y'all heard of these hot mics? Hot mic is when somebody didn't think the microphone was on, but it was. And uh, I got news for you. There's always a microphone somewhere. I'm so concerned about that. For a time period, I uh, I had to make sure my phone was definitely off before I said something negative or bad about somebody. I double-checked that sucker, and anybody else is with me. You know what I finally learned? Just stop saying negative stuff and bad things about people. You don't have to check the phone at all. But there's a microphone anywhere. Would you be embarrassed by what you said if the hot mic picked it up? Because guess who's always listening? Yeah, the Holy Spirit always is listening. Somebody's always listening. So what happens if you really do have that emotion of anger and frustration and borderline hatred? And then you confess it to the Lord and you let him take it out of you. You don't you don't ignore what you're experiencing. You take it to the Lord and let him get it out of you. What I say, God had to work on me so that I wasn't saying negative things about people. Meaning it's a process. And guess what? Sometimes I slip up. I don't know about y'all, maybe it's just me, but I run in some circles with some really good people, but even I do some stupid stuff every once in a while, every once in a while. And every once in a while I get on somebody's nerves. Just every once in a while. Most time it's Tammy's, but <laughs> now she never gets on my nerves, y'all. I'm just telling you. So it's a process of learning how to deal with these situations as they come up. What does it have to do with writing resolutions? Well, as we become passionate pursuers of God, character is a part of that. And so as God leads you, there's a good chance he's going to have you write a resolution on how to get over and deal with those situations in your life that are not holy, that are not righteous, that are not the character that God wants you to be. You know what character is also defined by? How you respond to a mistake. How do you respond when you make a mistake? Some people can't ever get over that. Some people lash out. Some people just totally, totally quit the game, totally quit life. 
Um, somebody said earlier that, that they'd been, somebody had been hurt by the church. You know, again, that speaks to the character of somebody. Are they bad people? No, it's something they got to work on, something the Lord's going to have to minister to. Because they made a mistake or somebody else made a mistake, and how they respond to that is what really is inside. See, if you go to church long enough, if you gather with a group of people long enough, they're going to upset you. They're going to rub you the wrong way. That's why it's so important that as we're being led by the Lord, even in writing resolutions, that we're being led by the Lord in our life to know where he has planted us. Because when you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready to leave, and he says no, then you're mature enough to say, okay, then help me get over whatever happened. That's knowing your identity. That's, that's understanding the character that God has placed in you. Jesus walked this earth and showed us how to have that character. Jesus was slandered, he was beat, he was abused, he was crucified, and all he ever did was love. Love. They did it to him, they're going to do it to you, so we better let the Lord build our character so that when it happens, we will know how to respond as Jesus responded. Amen? The third step, very important when writing resolutions, is to know your mission. When I said know where God's planting you, it's also important that you know your mission. What does God want you to do for his kingdom? Not for Southside Christian Fellowship, not for Pastor Herman, not even for the Mason family, not even for your family. What does God want you to do for his kingdom? It may be that he's got you here at Southside for a season. Then you give unto the Lord the whole time he's planted you here. And you work the mission that he has for you. Well, how do I know what my mission is? You get in the word. You get time with the Lord. You pray. You seek him. And you don't build the house in vain. But other people are pushing me. Stop listening to other people. You shouldn't be pleasing people, Herman. You should be pleasing the Lord. Yeah, I said my name there on purpose. I care about you guys. Sometimes I want to make y'all happier than I do the Lord. I don't mean to. A couple weeks ago, we had a worship service, and it was extra long, longer than normal, almost almost twice as long. But I had put the songs in there that the Lord had put on my heart earlier in the week, and I was loving every bit of it till we got in the middle of the service, and I thought, man, this is going kind of long, Lord. And I was getting ready to stand up and to stop what was going on, and thank God I didn't. But God had to help me through the mental battle I was having, because what I was thinking about was my brother who came to church for the first time in decades. Lord, I don't want to run him off. Lord, I, maybe it's too much for me. I'm thinking about people. I need to be thinking about the Lord and what the Lord wants. Because, see, by pleasing him, he'll take care of my brother. He'll take care of everybody else. I got a job to do. I'll tell you one more time. My job was to put this sermon together and then to be open in the service to do what the Lord wanted to do. And then as I emcee this service, then God has worked on each of you to come up and give the word that he's put on your heart, and it goes together seamlessly. See, I didn't have to worry about everything. And that's so good. I sleep so much better at night. I used to stay up a lot worrying about just the right song and just the right timing and just the right transition from, from this to this. It's so much easier just to let God do what God wants to do. So know your mission. I like what Tony Cook said. He said, Christianity is not about building enterprises, egos, or empires. It is about building people. Church is not about entertaining, 
saints. It is about equipping people to work for God. Growth is not merely about increased crowds. It's about enlarged hearts. Ministry is not about becoming a celebrity. It is about being a servant. Know your mission. What did it say in the previous scriptures? Proclaim the excellencies of God. You know what your mission is? To proclaim the excellencies of God. You got to know what they are before you can proclaim them. Look for opportunities and worry less this year. Look for opportunities and worry less. I like what Dad said, and this has been a while ago, so I uh, put up there Pastor Eddie Mason for those of you that like to cite sources, but to me it's Dad, and this is what Dad said. Be a part of the inspiration, not the desperation in the world. Be a part of the inspiration. I'm going to tell you one more thing here. Be willing to grow. You can't have a testimony without a test. you got to be willing to grow. And guess what? Growing doesn't always feel good. Growing stretches us. There's some uncomfortableness to it. But everybody that's grown physically has experienced that. You felt that in your physical body. It's the same thing in your spirit, man. There's a growing that happens. So be willing to grow. John Maxwell said, people no longer willing to stretch are no longer able to grow. Let me close with this here. <laughs> Y'all know I'm a fan of Charles Stanley, so let me give you one of his quotes. It says, we usually focus on finding God's plan for our life with regard to circumstances, relationships, and other practical matters. But the Lord's priority is our spiritual development. Again, the resolutions Mark read were really cool. But you're not going to know if any of those apply to you until you seek the Lord. And you can't base that resolution on just the things surrounding you. You base it simply on the Lord. And he may tell you to write resolutions based on the people around you and the situations and circumstances. But you let him lead the writing of your resolutions. So just to recap, three simple steps when you're writing your resolutions this year. Let God lead. That's first. That's number one. Let God lead. Know who you are. And who you represent. Any of y'all ever get in trouble going out in public and your mom or your dad will pop you somewhere and say, hey, hey, you represent the family here. How many have that thought because your parents put it in, you better behave because you represent the family? Well, guess what? You represent God's family. Know who you represent. Remember that you have been chosen and you are the people. And last but most definitely not least, know your mission be willing to grow. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. 
And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.